Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, there is an editorial about one of our guests uh, coming up, uh, Burgess Owens, who misunderstands American athletes who seek a better America. Well, thank you, Gordon. I appreciate that, and I'm sure Burgess appreciates being talked down to, uh, being pretty much labeled a white guy, even though he's black. He misunderstands, but you as a writer, well, you understand him. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that with Burgess here in just a second. We're not concentrating on that. We are concentrating on the point of what Burgess is doing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of black history on Black History Month. This is going to drive all of the left out of their mind. But as we have told you for almost 20 years now, black history has been erased and people have been, the, the culture was disemboweled. And they tried to uh, tell blacks that you don't have any heroes, you don't have any good connection to this country. It's absolutely untrue. And it's getting worse. David Barton is also here to tell us about that and share some really cool historic stuff in 60 seconds. Program. So we got a little cold snap here in Texas. Everybody is freaking out, uh, you know, because they, they, the people who grew up in Texas are like, it's it's got ice. There's ice, I guess, somewhere on the ground. It's cold. It's like 30 degrees. What do we do? Shut everything down. Uh, it is a little cold here, but I will be uh, using my Rectech grill uh, outside today because, uh, you know, you look at people. We've lived up north. You have no idea what cold is. Uh, but you don't even have to stand out in the cold if you have a Rectech. You get a Rectech, you can start it from an app on your phone. The only time you have to go outside is to put the, the steak on the grill and then pull it off when it's done. That's where my forced child labor comes in. I'm just saying. Rectech, it's amazing. Cooks everything to perfection. It's built like a tank. You're going to be glad you got one once you've tried it. AB, compare them with the best in the business. You will find the best in the business is Rectech. R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. Rectech dot com. Joining us now, David Barton, founder of Wall Builders. Uh, and the author of The American Story, which is a book everyone should own. Get The American Story by uh, David Barton. It is, it is pithy in its stories. It is comprehensive. It's the best starter kit on American history I think I've, I've ever seen. It's called The American Story. You can buy it on Amazon or wherever you buy your books by David Barton. Welcome, David. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Hey, Stu. Uh, hey, not a bad little uh, endorsement there. No, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's I'll keep me. that one. He's okay. paying me, yeah. I <laughs> uh, didn't mean a word of it, Stu. Um, we, have, we have Burgess Owens on uh, with us as uh, well. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Glenn. Good. Pleasure talking with you. Looking forward to it, for sure. Uh, well, I don't know if we can really, uh, you know, as two white guys, uh, you know, as I've learned from Salt Lake Tribune, <laughs> White guys can probably understand the black plight a little bit better than you because you were an athlete. You made a lot of money. You know, white privilege, white privilege, white privilege. So what do you really understand about the black culture and plight? Well, I think it's interesting. This is something I have to keep in mind is the, the condescending attitude of these uh, leftists. And by the way, I want to make a very 
very clear point. I'm not talking about liberals. I'm talking about leftists. Uh, these are folks who don't have the same values, the same desire to have the end game that uh, conservatives and liberals have, good people have. Uh, he's, he's, uh, this is probably the only time he's ever thought about the plight of, of black Americans, particularly our young kids, if we watch them uh, go down the tubes for decades. And he stands up and puts me down because I say we need to be proud of our country. Look at the history we've had. Look how far we've come. And if we can do it back in the 60s, we can do it in 2020, 21. But no, the leftists like this, uh, the Salt Lake trip. Uh, and by the way, can I say this also? Yeah. Do not take do not take the, the lead of leftist uh, papers. Read the art, read the uh, these uh, the headlines. Go, they, they, they have they don't believe that we have the, the, the intelligence to read through the article to find the truth. So they have these these remarkable headlines that we that people get caught up in. Just know that's a, that's a that's a another tool that the left does. Uh, but you'll, you'll find again that my message very simply is that Americans, no matter where they come from, what, what background or color can make in this country by working hard and going by the tenets that we've been talking about uh, throughout the last year. Or so I've been talking with you. And that is the that is the thing that we all used to melt in. We used to have a melting pot, and we <laughs> melted in. We brought our own culture, our own things, but we melted into this idea that anybody can make it here, that all men are created equal. When we lived up to our highest values, which is not all the time, but when we live up to those, that's what Martin Luther King was saying. America, he wasn't trashing America. He was saying, live up to your founding words, it's the same thing that I think Frederick Douglass, you know, at first he didn't like the Constitution. Then he was asked, did you read it? And he read it. And David, what happened? He completely turned around. He said there was not a single anti-slavery word in that document. He'd been taught there was by white abolitionists who were really anti-Constitution. When he became a full-time speaker for the Massachusetts Abolition Society, he said, I have a responsibility to know what I'm talking about. So he read the Constitution. He said he went through an epiphany, completely changed his view of founding fathers. It's interesting. Frederick Douglass in his life wrote an autobiography three times. He wrote an autobiography when he was young, when he's middle-aged, and when he's older. And you can see the transition he went through, the love and respect that he comes up with for the country that he did not have at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of activists love to quote his speech on the 4th of July where he thinks we're not included, we're not part of this. That's earlier in life. As you see him get later in life, he has a whole different viewpoint. And, and that inclusion comes from knowing history, and that's something he did not know as a slave. Once he studied it out, once he found it, there was a whole different American story than what he knew. And I will tell you this. I feel the same way on, on American history, the white aspects of it, the black aspects of it, the, the uh, yellow. and I mean, it just doesn't matter what color you are. But when you see how history has been shaped and written and then rewritten and deleted, you could spend a long time, especially if you're an African-American, going, what the who did this? How come I don't know those stories? How come I only know these four people and I've never heard of people like Phyllis Wheatley? Uh, yeah. Well, there is a reason you don't know it. And it is the progressives that did this. Yeah, a real change, a visible change you can see in 1902 when Woodrow Wilson came out with his five-volume set, The History of the American People. And in that five-volume set, and it's a comprehensive history, except it has not a single black person in it, not even Frederick Douglass, who is more photographed than Abraham Lincoln was. Wow. This, this is a guy that was, uh, Wilson was alive with Frederick Douglass, 
and he doesn't even put him in the book. Not a single clan is in that book, all. though, isn't it? That's what the clan is in that book. I think. Uh, yeah, that is the book that the clan used for the rebirth of the clan, the right. second revival of the clan. And so, but academics look at it and say, "My gosh, he's the president of Princeton University. He's a president. He, he's a professor at three universities. This is such a smart work. This is such a brilliant guy. Let's use this." And that's the basis of Black History today, which is why on Black History Month you usually get MLK and Rosa Parks and 20th Century folks. Uh, you, you get Malcolm X and W. Beater Boys, but you get very little of the Jack Sissons or the James Armisteads or all the heroes from the American Revolution that were genuine heroes. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, Oprah Magazine just did something on Apple, and I was uh, looking at the Apple News uh, app today, and it, you know, Oprah teaches black history, and the first one she taught was Phyllis Wheatley. Um, however, uh, she's leaving out an awful lot, and the and what's amazing is she's like, hey, these are people you've never heard of, and I thought, no, people in my audience, they know them. They've, they, mm-hmm. We've talked about Phyllis Wheatley forever. But in this, uh, she says, Phyllis Wheatley was the first African-American to publish a book of poetry, poems on various subjects, religious and moral in 1773, born in Gambia, sold to the Wheatley family in Boston when she was seven. Wheatley was emancipated shortly after her book was released. Wow, is that the Phyllis Wheatley story? Uh, I think they missed some major points some in this story. Some major points. Yeah. First of all, she was the first African American to publish a book as a slave. Yeah, she. How she did that didn't publish a book? She did not publish a book. Her book was published, but she did not publish a Who book. Who published that? It was published by Selena, Countess of Huntington, uh, English sponsor. She was in England, and the book was published in England, not in America. And so she was actually taken to England for her health. Her health was not good while she was there. Uh, this this great lady, she, she's called Lady Bountiful. I mean, she put her money into really this good endeavors. This is a woman who really changed, she everything. changed everything. Nobody knows who she is. Right. We should talk about her sometime. Uh, she's a white woman. Nobody knows who she is, but she actually changed the course of the country and religion. You know, it's interesting that that in the founding era, uh, the concept of separating whites and blacks is not nearly as prominent as it was in the Civil War. And so in so many places, even where there was slavery, there was not the segregation. Let me just give you an example. Something we found just in the last few months was in the American Revolution, we cannot find a single battle that had segregated units in fighting. All blacks, all whites fought together throughout the American Revolution. It was a total volunteer army. And which means you had to re-enlist if you wanted to fight more than six months. You sign up for six months. Mm-hmm. That's it. The average black soldier served nine times longer than the average white soldier did, and that's on voluntary re-enlistments. They averaged an, uh, nine enlistments. The average black soldier did. Average white soldier was white. Um, was one. So nine times longer with, with black guys in a volunteer army serving side by side. No segregated units. I mean, the the narrative you said earlier we're a melting pot even back then. We looked at George Washington's generals. Out of 76 generals he had, 28 of them came from foreign nations. So just over one-third of his generals from foreign nations. You look at all the ladies involved. You look at all the black heroes involved. We used to know that. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson. We know none of that now. Phyllis Wheatley, I just want to go back to her real quick. Um, Emancipated shortly after her book was released. What she leaves out is the important part that Ben Franklin, if I'm not mistaken, used to take her from town to town and had and would bring her in front of white audiences to read her poetry, basically in a way of saying, 
Uh, anybody who says black people are stupid, uh, I like you to meet somebody. George Washington did the same thing. George Washington had her kind of as the first USO for American troops. George Washington had Phyllis Wheatley read her poetry to the officers at Cambridge when they had the siege of Boston going on. He brought Phyllis Wheatley in to to read to the Why would you do that if you hated all black people? Why would you do that if you thought they were animals? Well, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But this, you don't hear this because it goes against the narrative they're trying to create today. They're cutting out major portions of black history in order to create a new narrative that goes in the wrong direction. And I want to talk about that. Let me give you one minute. I'm going to go to you, Burgess, uh, okay. on, on, on what we were just talking about. And I want to change it a little bit to what's happening right now. Because, Burgess, you've been doing a great thing on Twitter. You've been tweeting out black history. And you're getting hammered. You're getting hammered. Uh, and I want to talk to you about that coming up in a second, because okay. something else is happening around the country uh, where uh, we're changing history again, and it is not in a good way. Let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Goldline. They are still offering their 6 per, uh, 6% promotional medals delivered directly to you with a qualifying retirement account purchase. Also, Goldline's special on graded Liberty Coins is still going strong. They've acquired additional inventory due to the explosive uh, popularity and unprecedented demand of this historic American coin. It's one of my favorites. It's the one that I buy. Um, I bought it in the past. They're hard to get. These are all uh, graded by an independent grading agency for the weight and the purity and the condition, so you know exactly what you're buying. Um, If you're developing a collection of gold coins... Not it's no. This is not a banking instrument. This is not currency. It's a collection. Inventory is uh, limited. You have to call uh, daily to find out what they have and some of the new specials that they have. Goldline, call them now. Eight six six Goldline. They're waiting for your call. Eight six six Goldline or Goldline dot com. Ten seconds. Station ID. Just let me pick it up with you. Okay. Um, uh, you wanted to comment on what we were just talking about. Yes, I do. Um, and, and this is why history is so important. Um, and by the way, I'm blessed. When I, ra- when I was raised in my segregated community of the 60s, we were taught history. We were taught pride in our country. Matter of fact, what we had in common with all the other different cultures around our country, Jewish, German, Polish, we were not assimilating at that time. But what we had in common is love for our country. We had love for our history. And the fact we call Americans, our goal very simply was to get, gain respect, command respect from our fellow Americans by beating them out. It's called meritocracy. And that's where we're going. So understand that this has been an attack on our country for a long, long time. It was Karl Marx, the Marxist Karl Marx. This is the first battleground you're writing of history. Because in our history, we find pride. We find pride in our past, we find appreciation for where we are today, and a vision for our future. And our vision for America has always been to look at each other better from inside out versus outside in, and to understand what we have in common is what makes us so unique and so great as a nation. Uh, I tell you, I, 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 can experience, I can tell you something right now that I never thought when I was in the 60s growing up that I'm not this part of my family. My family is black, white, Hispanic, American Indian, Trinidadian, and if I did some more genealogy, I'd probably find some more. That is the way our country has always been defined. And what we have to understand is there are people out there who do not want us to come together. The we, the people, the most powerful three words in history of mankind, says that we see ourselves as a unit, as a team, and we get past our difference because we have the same end game. This leftist group, the cowards and the bullies, the people who hide behind liberalism, they hide behind uh, 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 media, they hide behind a computer screen. You can't see them, but they're empowered by destroying people's lives. 
And that's what we're up against right now. And understand that the more we know about our history, the more those guys lose because we become proud of who we are. And by the way, that's why they've been trying these leftists in the NFL, NBA, trying to get rid of our flag, our national anthem, uh, 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 our worshiping God. Those are the things that keep us as a unit focused on something we have in common. It allows us to go to a game and whether we're conservative or liberal, we can root for our team and high five because we're on the same team. So understand that's what they're trying to do, divide us. And they take that. They do that by taking away our history that shows what we've done together is remarkable. By the way, Jeremiah Hamilton in 1821, before the Civil War, was a, was a stockbroker in New York. He died in 1874, worth over $240 million today. That's the kind of things that happen. You have Betsy Coleman. Wait, wait, wait. He was black. Black. Oh, yeah, I'm in sorry. 18, in <laughs> 1821, he's a stockbroker. How's that possible? Worth 200 and some million dollars in today's dollars at his death. How is that possible? We don't know that man. Yep. And it's possible because here's the deal that we have to understand in our country. It doesn't matter how we get here, how long we've been here, what language we speak. If we focus on four things, our faith, our the free market, um, uh, education, and our family, we can become part of the middle class or beyond. Everyone who succeeds in this country does it through meritocracy. They do it through the fact of, of, of commanding respect. And people like uh, Jeremiah or Betsy Coleman, uh, the first uh, a black pilot, international and national pilot. She, she passed away in, 1960, in, in, in 1934 in, in, in an accident. But those are the kind of folks we don't know about. Uh, Dr. Drew, I'm, I'm sure you know, uh, Dr. Charles Drew, yeah. the, the, the founder of the, the, the blood bank. There's so many of this, so much of our history that goes on. And if, if we were to know that, guess what happens to black Americans, black mm-hmm. youth? They said, if they can do it back in those days, I can do it today. I'm so proud to have this lineage that shows what, 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 what great Americans can do. I'm just thankful I grew up in a time where I saw them firsthand. I'm so blessed. It's not hypothetical to me. And, David, it is becoming uh, more and more difficult to find that. You saw something happen this week that you've never seen before. Yeah, we, we have seen... Um We've really encouraged legislators to really get into black history as in a way to expand the names. The, the names you just got from, from Burgess, you know, that. You, you had a, a Biddy Mason, you had a Clara Brown, you had a Stephen Smith, a Charles Patterson. To All, guarantee, I don't know any of those We, we have legislators now standing on the floor of the legislatures in the mornings with a three to five minute reading on a black hero that they've never heard before, the kind of people we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. just expanding the field. And so two black history resolutions were voted down just in the past week. And the argument was that you're presenting blacks in a way that make them look like they're victors and overcoming, not like they're victims. And that that hurts the movement. So we're voting this down because we, we don't want that image out there. Right. It does hurt the movement, but by doing the reverse, it hurts the people. That's right. Well, it hurts truth. And, and truth is our objective. You always tell the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there's plenty of bad and ugly with racism, discrimination. Sure. But what I'm saying is if you're only telling the downside, you're not only just ignoring the truth of the full picture, um, you are hurting people because all they hear is, you can't make it. That's You're right. a victim, that's and right. that is destructive. That's battery acid to the soul. That's right. That that will just that's battery acid to the country as well. Yeah. you will not survive that. So uh, go ahead. Can I can I add this uh, to that point? Because it really is all about stereotyping. And what I knew growing up is that there was a, a mentality, particularly by the Democratic Party, that blacks were not capable. We're not intelligent. We were not uh, disciplined. We're not all those negative stereotypes. And, and, and when you look back, you see Martin Luther King 
uh, marching during the summer months down south. Understand, see, remember this. They're, they're, they're walking in white shirts and dark ties. Mm-hmm. They're walking dressed. They're walking in a, in a way that's very disciplined because they're not only beating, beating out the Jim Crow laws, they're beating out the democratic stereotypes that black people were not capable. When I came to the NFL in 1973, there were no black quarterbacks, no black middle linebackers, no black uh, uh, free safeties, because those were, quote, white men leadership positions. We don't think that way anymore. Any any position that a person is able to to win out, they earn it, and they get millions of dollars to do it. So we've grown in that area, but only in athletics. Why is it that the leftists do not want, do, have us, they have us in affirmative action when it comes down to thinking, but does not have us in term, affirmative action when it comes down to sports. That's one of the stereotypes that we have to understand that's against us. We do more than sports and singing and dancing. We can compete in any area that we go up against if we study, we work, and we feel good that we can achieve those opportunities. That's what they're taking away when we have Snoopy Dogg as our hero instead of Ben Carson. All right, um, I'm gonna come back in just a minute. We're gonna continue our conversation and tell you some stories that you've never heard before uh, as we uh, celebrate uh, Black History Month and do it really in spite of all of the haters and the cancel culture that will come after the three of us for doing this hour when all we're trying to say is blacks have a rich rich american history that they should know this is the glenn Beck program relief factor connie lives in nevada she had come to some bad news a while ago she was told nothing could be done for her back and hip pain that she'd been plagued with for a while pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse and when somebody says there's nothing you can do about it it's really rough and for a while you'll fight that and then you know you go more people and they say there's nothing really can do about it and uh when you see a glimmer of hope you jump on it Well, she saw an ad on TV for Relief Factor. Uh, She wasn't really hopeful, but she's like, uh, everybody says nothing will work. I'll give it a shot. Well, she said it started working within two days. The pain began to subside. She kept going with Relief Factor. And these days she's reporting that she has no pain. She goes to bed at at night pain-free, wakes up the next morning pain-free. Connie got her life back. So could you. Relief Factor isn't a drug. It was developed by doctors, and 70% of the people who go on to try it order more. 70%. So try the three-week uh, three quick start and see if you're part of the 70% that actually will see real results. It's relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to it. Uh, we are talking Black History uh, Month in a ways, in a way that will make um, you know the cancel culture uh, scream with glee because oh my gosh, I can't believe they're talking about it. Uh, yeah, we're we're talking about it in an accurate way, and we're giving the balance. There's a lot of there's a lot of really bad uh, in American history, and there's also a lot of really good in american history and we cover the bad and the good um let's start with a let's start with an early war hero david let's go to the american revolution to a guy named jack sisson in 1778 america's second in command militarily had been captured charles lee he's right behind george washington we are a volunteer citizen army we need our military commanders so we just lost a second in command 
Only way you get him back is to have a prisoner exchange with someone of like value. And that means Richard Prescott, who is the second command for the British under Cornwallis. So Colonel William Barton in Rhode Island says, I think I've got a plan to capture the second command. He says it's going to be really hard. It's a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. And he laid out his plan. He he asked for volunteers because he said, you're not this mission. You're not allowed to take any guns because if you shoot a gun, the British will know we're coming and we'll all be dead. So you can't take any weapons with you. It's a complete suicide mission. I need only volunteers. 20 blacks and 20 whites volunteered for that mission. Mm-hmm. This is essentially kind of the first special forces or SEAL team mission. And what happened was Richard Prescott is sitting on an island in the middle of the harbor in Rhode Island. Uh, they're outside of Providence. The British fleet is surrounding the island. They're all parked there. There is a fortress in the middle of the island, and General Prescott is barricaded inside the fortress. Jeez. It's going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Easy. Just don't so, worry about it. So what happens is they they take out about 2 in the morning with with several boats, uh, and they put these, these 40 guys in the boats. Jack Sisson's in the first boat right up front. And they put what they call mufflers on their oars. They have to row under the British Navy. So they, and that's they just they're like towels around that's right. the oars. They wrap right? the end of the oars yeah. with, with cloth. So as you go through the water, you're not splashing. Mm-hmm. So they, they row right under the British fleet. They get to the island. The, the British guards aren't expecting anyone. They quickly knock out all the British sentries and British guards around the fortress. They look to find out where, where the general is, General Prescott is. He's barricaded inside a room, wrought iron hinges. Uh, it's an oak door. It's an oak bar on the inside of the door. And they say, oh, my gosh, to beat that down with hammers, everybody's going to know we're here. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jack Sisson said, get out of my way. And he backed up down the hall. He charged the door with his head and shoulder, popped the hinges, broke the oak, broke the inside bar of the door, kept going right inside the room. General Prescott set up in bed to see what was happening. He knocked him out cold with one hit. <laughs> he picked him up, put him under his arm, and walked down the hall with the general under his arm, got back in the boat, rowed across the harbor, and they had the prisoner exchange. We got our second command back. It was a black patriot, Jack Sisson, who essentially is the first SEAL team now, member. You would say that is, and I know SEAL team members like that. I mean, I've got a guy who works on my staff, uh, Craig, who was a Royal Marine, who would be just like that. Yep. But you'd hear that story and you'd say, that's just a fake. That's, you know, oh, and, you know, uh, what was his name? Uh, big John Henry. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And he was a big man and he, you know, pounded his way through a mountain. But this is true. This is true. This is all documented. Uh, this is documented in a, in a number of early books. And it's, it's just so much fun. As a matter of fact, if you go to the first of the American Revolution, John Adams said it began at the Boston Massacre. The first man shot in the Boston Massacre, Crispus Attucks, a black man. You go to the last battle of the American Revolution, the Battle of, of Yorktown. George Washington and Alexander and Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette, the two white guys say the reason we won that battle was a black man, James Armistead. The American Revolution starts with the black man and ends with the black man. You don't get that in history today, but the founding fathers who were there pointed those black people as being the reason that we started, the reason we ended, all the way through. And their stories like Jack Sisson. This is this book from uh, William Nail, 1851, called Colored Patriots of the American Revolution. It's mm-hmm. not a skinny book, and no. it's nothing but the black heroes of the American Revolution we no longer study today. Uh, Burgess, you brought up the uh, stockbroker on Wall Street from 1821, dies in the 1880s, uh, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Um, and I know you, you've you tweeted out somebody that, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know. I don't know if, if most people uh, knew at the time, uh, Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, oh, gosh, yes. And why is it that, why is it that it seems that every single, 
I mean, you ask the average American, who's the first really successful black woman? And I bet you most will say outside of music, Oprah. Everyone, yeah. it, it couldn't be further from the truth. The no, first and, and that, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and that's actually uh, when you steal people's history, tell they spill this, this, you steal the pride in their in their their past and who they are. Uh, and I think that's so unfortunate. I mean, we can go through a litany of success, but let me just kind of uh, summarize it in this one way. And it's something that we understand how bad things were in terms of our country. It was we're not assimilating. Segregation was going strong, but yet. In the 40s, because of this, this, this one thing that we all, as as uh, as, as Black Americans, agreed in, we we loved our country, God, family, respected women and authority. Bottom line, and we had a dad in home that made sure you understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. What does that What does that come down to? Well, in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, because Black Americans coming back, particularly from the war, understood that they can achieve anything in a segregated community. Mm-hmm. So, what did that look like in terms of competing with the rest of our nation? We led the country in the growth of the middle class. We led the country men matriculate from college because college was out was our doorway. I have a grandfather who had four, 12 kids. Every single one of them graduated from college. He was a, he, he was a uh, uh, he was a farmer. Uh, we, 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 never, uh, we we led the country in terms of men matriculating from college, men committed to marriage over 70 percent and percentage of entrepreneurs. Forty percent of entrepreneurs across our country equated to 50 to 60 percent of, of black Americans living the American dream. In 1960, I had, a, I had an uncle who had a business, he, he was an entrepreneur, but he also loved flying. So he bought a plane so he could take, take mail from one base in, in Texas to Chicago, his part-time job. He, 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 flew, to, he flew to Tallahassee at the age of, of 10 years old, had a chance to experience my first flight. Now, we were not rich, we were middle class, but the bottom line is we believed that anything was possible because it saw around us. That's what we have to keep in mind. And t- t- today, particularly, we have to understand what's going on. Just think about this, Glenn. Uh, I'm a black American, a third black to go to the University of Miami. I graduated in biology because I had a dad who taught education, a mom and dad who taught education, mm. was a Super Bowl champion. The most important chapter of my life was failing after that. So for a few months, I was a chimney sweep and a security guard because we were taught to man up. If you had to do whatever you had to do to do it honestly for your, for your mm. family. And out of that, I had achieved my dreams. And we talked about this for years when I started a foundation for Second Chance of Youth. But here's where we are today. Today, I'm a ranking member as a freshman for a, for a subcommittee in the education labor. Where else can that happen in America? By the way, that's not going to happen in the Democratic Party. They will not allow a man like me, a person like me, to take be a ranking member as a freshman because they're all about seniority. They're all about making sure that the right people keep in order, and then those who want to rise, they have to toe the line. They can, they, have to, they can turn against their race. They can become leaders. They can do anything. They can vote against choice in school. They can vote for abortion for, for our babies. They can vote for anything that hurts our country and our, and our race as long as they know they're going for power and they have these white leaders that they're going to make sure they keep keep uh, keep charge. So I, we have America, the American dream all across our country. Ben Carson, Condi Rice, Justice uh, Thompson all came from that same generation of Americans who love God, country, family, respect for women and authority. And we have to get back to that. And that's what the left does not want us to happen. They do not want us to talk about our past so our kids can grow up and say, you know what? If he can do that, I can do it. What do I need to do? How about this? Love your God, country, family, respect for women and authority. Bottom line, you do that, this country will reward you in a big, big way. I don't care what color you are. Um, David, uh, we're going to run out of time. And I I know you're sitting here with tons of stories. uh, maybe we'll do something next week uh, mm-hmm. if we can have you back. Maybe I'll do a, a podcast with you guys. Um, uh, but I, I wanted to bring this to the 1619 Project because that is 
a lie. It is a literal reimagining, keyword imagining, a reimagining of American history. They, they themselves have had to admit at the New York Times, it's not based on fact. It's, it's a dreamt up idea for us to think about what the world would be like if that were the way America was founded. Um, but it is, it is being taught in schools. It's, there's one school district or state that I saw yesterday said no to the uh, 1619 project, but it's sweeping. We have an opportunity and we took it based on, based on faith and maybe a little bit of insanity. Um, we took an opportunity to buy the largest collection of, of Pilgrim and pre 1700 uh, American history in the world. That's right. It is a gigantic collection. It is. Tell me what's in it and why it's important. Uh, let me tell you what's important first, because when you look at American history, the 1619 Project is one stream of American history. Uh, slavery did enter into the South. It did enter through Jamestown. It did enter through Virginia. And now, this 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 uh, collection has. It has that. It has documents from 1619, from Jamestown. It's got all of that stuff. Except it shows that slavery came into America prior to 1619, came in with the Spanish. So it blows the 1619 project up. By the way, 1619 is not even when slavery got started in Virginia. It was 1651 when a black man sued to own another black man, and the courts Mm -hmm. in Virginia said, yep, you can do that. So Anthony Johnson, a black man, becomes the first slave owner in Virginia. And that's 1651. So 1619 is not even right on their narrative. Well, they would say their narrative is 1619 because it was a black indentured student. So or a black indentured family that had well, a child. about 20 of them. Bloody, there were about 20 that came. Right, right. But indentured servants were not always black. That, well, they, uh, the, most of those who came to Virginia early on were indentured. They were just whites. It just means they took out a loan and they became collateral for that. All of those 20 blacks that came as slaves off a slave ship where the yeah. British took them off of a slave ship, they all became landowners in Virginia. They all became free and became landowners. They did not remain slaves. I didn't know that. Yeah. They, they, that indenture was over after seven years, after which time the state gave them land. They became landowners and they had their own, their own Until property. Until 1651. That's Until when 1651. You could, yeah, okay. Yep. Um, so, um, why is this so important that this remains? Because I know the guy who was selling it, who's collected it, very, very well established, uh, credible historian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is uh, he's selling it. He was selling it. It's getting old. He wants it to go. He wants it to go to us yeah. and not be broken up. Why did he give us such an amazing deal on this? Because he he likes the view that we have, which is a historical view, that while there was a Jamestown, there was also a Plymouth. And Plymouth is the second colony in America, and in Plymouth they outlawed slavery from the start. Slavery was illegal. They called it man-stealing, quoted the Bible, capital offense. The first slave ship that came to Plymouth, they freed all the slaves, imprisoned all the slave owners. Um, that there were, was not a time in, in Massachusetts history when you could not vote as a black person. So all this stuff is a different story. If you want to focus on 1619, that's part of America. That's not accurate, but this is part of America. We focus on the other side because the pilgrim side is really what America became. And what Opportunity we strive and, to be. That's right. That, that's know, what we should be. We can dwell on, you know, this guy or that guy. That which you gaze upon, you become. Why aren't we gazing upon a higher standard? Yeah. 
And that's what this this collection is. It is the greatest collection of authentic documents of that strain of America that nobody's talking about, or at least that the left is not talking about today. And it documents authoritatively, without any question, with the original documents, what happened in America. And the side of the story the 1619 Project is trying to erase. And by the way, this may be to me the the most, I don't know the adjective to describe, but part of the the 1619 Project is currently being used in all 50 states. Even if a state legislature bans it, it will be used because it's a voluntary curriculum without charge. Teachers take it and use it. Mm. Part of that, they have what's called an erasure poem, where they give you actual, authentic American documents. They redact the documents, leave six or eight words in them. They say, we want you to erase history and rewrite it the way you think it should have been. And that is a classroom exercise to take authentic documents, trash them out, redact the content, leave you six or eight words, and and just rewrite it the way you think it should be. That is dangerous for America's future. Holy cow. If you would like to help us preserve uh, history, especially this, we need uh, we need a team of people that are going to pony up and we can do it five dollars at a time. And I know a lot of people that want to do that. Uh, but we also are looking for some people with some real wealth that will also step with us um, and secure this for future generations. You can uh, make a donation now at Mercury One dot org. That's Mercury One dot org. Thank you, David. Thank you, Burgess. We'll talk Thank to you, you again. God bless. A real pleasure. You bet. Thank you guys. Our sponsor this half hour is Built Bar and Stu. Uh, who was it that told me about the Built Bar? Was it Sarah that told me about? Who was it that said about the chocolate brownie chunk yesterday? I think it was Sarah, the News and Why It Matters. Mm. You weren't there. Um, she said, oh, you got to try that. It's my favorite. Oh, my gosh. I tried this this morning. Uh, it is. You actually cut me off in mid-sentence to explain to me how wonderful it was. <laughs> I did. I was like, shut up. I'm enjoying this right now. <laughs> it is like, I mean, it has real chocolate in it. Um, I don't even know. It's got to be real uh, coconut. No? Uh, yeah, real coconut in it. Um, it's not. They don't put chemicals and all that crap in it. They make the taste first. And then they make sure that it's really healthy for you. And it has everything you need. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Um, it's made with real chocolate. It is a great snack if you're trying to lose weight. It is better for you than most protein bars. It is just great. It's called a Built Bar. Try it now. BuiltBar.com. You'll save 20% if you use the promo code back at BuiltBar.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. It is uh, it's Thursday. If you missed our uh, special on TV last night on uh, the silencing of voices and the realities ours, uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, go back and look at it. If you are a Blaze subscriber, you can watch it on YouTube. If you're a Blaze subscriber, you get, I think, about 10 minutes more uh, on uh, the just the Donald Trump Jr. interview alone. I talked to him about the... Um, the impeachment, how his dad was doing, uh, what his dad was thinking, what are they going to do in the future? It's a really good interview. You'll find it now if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash Glenn. I mean, that's a good idea, but I just would rather pay like 30 bucks less. That's it. I would, really? I would subscribe. For a year? For 30 bucks yeah, I less? I feel like 30 bucks is the right I amount. I got a 30% deal for you right now. Well, you what? save 30, 30 bucks how right now. Get you that? just go to you go to the blazetv.com, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Okay. Then you use the promo code Glenn. Oh, 30 bucks. that's it. That's the wow. secret. Yeah. This is the Glenn Beck program.